Now, I love the church. And I don't like people when they bring up things that just kind of degrade it because I do think the church is a powerful living force in, this, in the world. And if it was not here, this world would be far off than what it is. But I do believe we've lost something over the centuries. And at least maybe in America for sure. That at times the church seems very powerless to effect change. And sometimes our own very lives seem powerless to effect change. You know, last week I said that God, I felt so strongly that God wanted us to feel what? Free, alive, and powerful. And at the beginning of the week I felt neither alive or free or powerful. And I wonder, what have we lost? What have we lost? that we don't feel alive, free, and powerful, all at the same time, consistently throughout our lives. What is it about our understanding of God, our understanding of Father's heart, that, that makes us feel more powerless than powerful? That makes us feel more captive than free? That makes us feel more dead than alive? What is it that we have believed falsely about who we are in Christ? I think chapter 3 in the books of Acts is, is going to help us answer that question today. The first ten verses, let's just read. Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what happened to him. I want to, use, I want to ask you to use your, your amazing God-given imagination this morning. I want you to, to think back 2,000 plus years ago and I want you to imagine yourself as a beggar. You're the lowest of the low at this point. You have to beg for your existence. And not only are you a beggar, you're, you're a crippled one too. If you want to go someplace, you have to be carried to this place. Someone has to lift you up. You have to find someone willing to come and lift you up and carry you from one place to another. So you're, you're a crippled beggar. You're relying on other people's goodness or ability to carry you from one place to another. Imagine the helplessness that you must feel. The hopelessness. 
embarrassment. That you can't get somewhere underneath your own power. Someone has to take you. You're a, a crippled beggar. Because back in those times, often the outward characteristics of, of who you were were a judgment against your, your inside moral character. So if you had an infirmity, if you had a disability, if you had a disfigurement, they assumed that your moral character was also disfigured. Okay? There was something wrong with you morally. They thought of you as being corrupt or even possibly wicked. So you're, you're a crippled beggar and you have this stigma, not of just your physical disability, but this supposed spiritual disability. And every day you are carried to be in front of the temple. The temple is the symbol of communion with God, of a connection to God, to the Jewish people. And you are carried to, the, to the, one of the gates of the temple, but you're not allowed in. Because you're crippled. Because you're thought of unclean, unfit. And you were not allowed to enter the temple. You are so close to the presence of God, but you cannot enter it because you're crippled. Because you're, you're lame. Every day, for 40 years, the desire of his heart is right there. And he can't get in. No one can carry him in. It's not allowed. He's there every day. So not only does he have the humiliation of being unable to walk and care for himself, that he has to beg for money, that he carries this stigma, he's not allowed to go into the place that he feels as a Jewish person is his way to connect to God, to worship God. Can you imagine that? He finds someone to carry him to the temple, to the temple gate, the, gate, the beautiful gate. One of the most, it's called beautiful because it is beautiful at this time. The traffic's heavy. It's a good place to, it's a good place to get some coin. See, one of the particular beliefs of the Jewish faith is that they consider it a spiritual exercise to give alms to the poor. It's very important for them. It's, it's, and what better place to do this, to, to gather the intention of people and maybe the compassion of people, is at a temple gate. It's a good place to be, but it's a horrible place to be because it's a, it's a constant reminder of what he can't get into. So he's carried to this gate. John and... Peter are walking. It says it's an hour of prayer. It's one of the, there's three times to pray in the temple, and this is three o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe they were at the morning prayer. Maybe they, he was the, the the guy was there already. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but it says that he, they noticed each other very significantly. They cast their gaze on one another, and Peter says something that is extremely peculiar to me. It's one of the most peculiar verses in the Bible to me. Peter says, look at us. Look at us. 
the obvious meaning is that I want you to pay attention to me. I want you to pay attention to me. Now, I'm thinking, here's this guy. He's there every day trying to collect some money to, for his livelihood. He's dependent on, you know, in, in this in this day, in the, oh boy, it probably hasn't changed much, but in, in this time period, you know, your worth is measured by your money. It's probably not that much different now. But certainly then, their worth was measured by what they had or what they did not have. Peter stops and says, look at us. And imagine this guy has one eye on Peter and John and another eye on the people passing by because you know what happens when someone stops to talk to a beggar. You've got, oh, I've got an excuse just to walk on by because someone's engaged with that person. So I'm, I, I can just kind of skip right on by. I see, I see it on the, seats of New, the streets of New York when I used to work there. Some people would stop. Some people would just, oh, that's my excuse to go on by. So he's keeping one eye on Peter, Peter and John and, and he's keeping one eye on the people passing by because he doesn't want to miss an opportunity. Peter says, look at us. There's something about those words I think that are extremely powerful because I think Peter is trying to convey a message that is just trying, more than just trying to get this guy's attention. I think it's also, look at us. Do we look like we're the kind of guys that have money? Peter and John didn't have money. They were honest. We, silver and gold, we don't, we don't have any of that. So look, look, at, look at us. We don't have anything like that. But what we, what we do have, what we do have, look at us. This is, this is what we have. You see, because... I am convinced, oh man, I am convinced that Peter was trying to get his attention because he, Peter actually believed, and John actually believed, that if this man was actually looking at them, they saw Jesus. Look at us, not just, not just John and not just me standing here, but look at Jesus. He's in us. And that's why Peter can, can oh man, Peter can go down. He's not, he's not asking this guy's permission. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, takes him by the right hand and lets him up. I don't have any silver. I ain't got no gold. But what I do have is Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what I'm going to give you and it's going to change the way you walk from this point on. Look at us. Why do I think he's saying that? If you go to verses 12 and 16, it says this. Verse 12 says this. And when Peter saw it, saw the people paying attention to what was going on, he addressed the people and said, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we made him walk. And if you go down to verse 16, it is his name, talking about Jesus, by faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. See, I am convinced you cannot draw attention to yourself if you point to Jesus. So when I talk about, you know, that God wants us free, God wants us alive, and He wants us powerful, it's for, for things like this. 
so that we can walk up to people and say, look at us. Look what God did for us. Pay attention to what the, the story that God has placed inside of us. Look at us. Here's the real miracle here. I think this is a miracle more than this man getting his ability to walk back. It blows me away. Takes him by the right hand. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise. Man gets his ability to walk back. Muscles that weren't working before. Bones that just didn't support. Everything is working now. He's leaping and praising God, worshiping God. And then what happens? He goes into the temple with, with Peter. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. He was separated 40 years from the place that he longed to be. But because... See, this, this one accord thing, this one mind, this one purpose thing that is being established in the, in the early church that, that through the centuries needs to be established over and over again in our hearts and our minds and in the church, this is an invitation in thing. This is as you're included in this. Please come in. It's an invitation thing. This one accord thing is meant to invite people into the presence of God. It's not supposed to be exclusive. So the miracle is that he walks into the temple with Peter and John. Yes, he's walking. That's that you know <laughs> but when it, so when it talks about being in perfect health, I think it's because he he is in the presence of God. And what better place to be in perfect health than but in the presence of God? I think that's the real miracle. I really do. Something that he was separated from, he's now able to enter underneath his own power. He's able to enter, but he went with someone. Peter and John brought him in with them. I think that's extremely powerful. So how do we answer that question? What do, I see three things in this story, and there's probably more. There's the power of prayer. You know, we, we, we've been six weeks in the study of Acts, and we're still not even past chapter three yet. But I think we, what we've discovered so far is that these, these people prayed. Over and over again, it does say that they were devoted to prayer. Can I, can, I, can I suggest that this devotion is, is driven by love? Not duty. See, it's good to have a disciplined time of prayer. I, discipline is good. It's good for the human spirit. Discipline is good. But if we make it about duty, it becomes a religious thing and not a relational thing. There's power in prayer here. Prayer is meant to be this dynamic lifeline between us and Father God so that He can move through who we are. So that we can say to people, look at us. What God has done. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I do have, and I have, I have Him. 
I'm gladly share him with you. That'll make you rise up and walk. That'll, that's what you need. It's power in prayer. It's that connection to God. There's power in giving. The evidence of a transformed life is a giving heart. You look at Peter and John, who they were just 50, 60 days prior. Scared men. Men that didn't, <laughs> didn't stand. Couldn't stand. Couldn't stay awake and praying. Couldn't do a lot of things. 60 days later, and filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, these men are changed. They're ready to give. I don't have any silver gold. If I had it, I'd probably share it with you, but I will also give you this. But what I do have, what I do have, I'm going to give. I'm not going to hold it back. I'm not going to think that it's not good enough or you're not good enough. I'm just going to give. See, because this is more than being generous. Giving is worship. Giving is worship. And it leads to worship. It leads to worship. The third thing I saw is that there is power in prayer, there's power in giving, and there's also power in handouts. Now, in our society, handouts have a very negative connotation. But I'm talking about this kind of handout. When we reach out our hands, and we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to direct where we reach out our hands, and we reach out our hands to, to people who are crippled, by sin, by disease, by hurt and shame and pain, and you name it, a handout is a good thing. There's power in a handout. There's power in a handout that, that's been infused with power from on high by the power of the Holy Spirit through us. And you know what? This Holy Spirit that, that Peter and John are expressing right here is the same Holy Spirit living in us. It's no different. It's not like he got diluted over the centuries. He's the same. Yesterday. Today. Forever. He's God. There's a power in the hand now. I'm wondering, because I sense that some of us might be feeling crippled in some ways this morning. A little lame. We feel so close to the presence of God, but for some reason, we think we can't enter in because whatever that lameness is, whatever that that crippling thing is, we think we can't enter the presence of God, that He excludes us from it, that we're unfit, that we're unclean, we're unworthy of it. I'm telling you, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's a big lie. And sometimes we give more power to the lie than actually believing the truth. And I'm here to encourage you this morning with these verses from Isaiah. Isaiah 49, 29-31. Listen to these wonderful, encouraging, powerful words. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The Hebrew word for strength means to be firm, and you have force 
to produce. The Father wants us alive. He wants us free. And He does want us powerful. Can we stop being afraid of being powerful people? Can we embrace the fact that God is continuously calling us to Him? Maybe you're saying, okay, I do feel crippled this morning. What do I do? I can only tell you one thing that I do when I feel crippled. I surrender. Not to the circumstances. Not to the thing I I think is crippling me. I surrender to God. Because that's where our strength is. That's what waiting is on Him. It's going to His presence and going to Father God's presence and saying, Dad, I need you right now. I surrender everything. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that keeps you from His presence except your decision. There's no power on earth. There's no principality. There's no army on this planet that can keep you from the presence of God unless you choose not to enter in. You don't have to wait till someone carry you in anymore. See, the veil has been broken, torn, ripped. There's been a way. So I'm encouraging you this morning. If you, if you, if you feel like there's something and, and you want to enter the presence of God and you feel like there's something and you don't know what it is or you do know what it is, can we pray for you before you leave today? And you can turn to someone on either side of you, behind you, in front of you, and pray. I will, the elders of the church, will gladly pray for you. But can you not leave this, this place and still feel crippled this morning. Because you don't have to be. He's here. The presence of the living God is here. And He will, says through any one of us, in the name of Jesus, rise up. Rise up. And walk. And immediately that man walked and he started to worship God. Let that be our response. That's the response that God is looking for. So when I talk about responses to see, it really doesn't matter what I want. This is the Father want. He wants you close. He wants you close. So He can uncripple you. Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You that You speak Your Word in such a convincing way that You draw us to Yourself. So I pray for that. I pray that we would draw near to you, that we won't be afraid to draw near to you. So help us, Lord, to surrender the things that we must surrender. And we ask this in your precious Son's name. Amen.